renewed mind, don't you? Amen. Well, I tell you, I'm a free woman. And in four, how long have we been in this church? Four years and something. Pastor and I have never felt released to teach on the family or the home. We've never, we've taught on the, we've just casually mentioned it in other sermons. But or taught on and, and casually in other sermons, taught on child training, taught on the family and the home, the husband and the wife. But God's released us to teach on the home and the family, and actually even commissioned us just, just you know, just just let us go on that. And so we're going to talk about the home and the family tonight. And I want y'all to say these words after me before I start. I want you to reassure me that you love me. Say, I love Miss Debbie. Okay, I'm not even going to look to see if anybody didn't say it. I'm like Jeremiah tonight. I'm like, uh, uh, God's saying to me, don't look at their faces. You know, <laughs> I'm like Moses, hide me in the cleft of the rock, God. Because um, more than probably in any other area, uh, as far as church members and being, and being Christians, we're tempted to be conformed to the world when it comes to our marriages and our families. I think more than even tithing, more than even, you know, we've kind of uh, submitted ourselves to those things, to be saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, and uh, speak in tongues. But, you know, we, we tend to conform to the world. We tend to even look to the world for our counsel and for our advice. And we go and we watch uh, Oprah to find out <laughs> how to handle our life. I like Oprah. I actually am really fond of her. Um, She's she's one of my she's one of my favorite people on TV. But anyway, and I think she does have some good things. And I think there are things in her programs concerning marriage and family that you can use. But then there's a whole bunch of stuff you can't do in all the world system. Amen. And so you do have to be careful. And you know, every magazine, every woman's magazine is trying to tell you how to have the family. But you know, really, in every area of our life, this is our counsel, isn't it? This is what we have to base our life on. Just how many of you know that God wrote this for today? This did not pass away. This is not archaic. It's not a, a, a historical book only. I mean, it does have some history in it, but but it's life-giving. Thank Amen? God. Praise God. And so it's just, uh, it, it, it's relevant. It's a, re- it's a relevant book. It's relevant for today. And how many of you know that God's ways are right? Amen. God is always right, isn't he? Amen. And you know, sometimes it's just painful of us to say, God's right and I'm wrong. But I can tell you, if somebody's wrong, it's always us. It's not him. And you know, sometimes it's, you know, we, we want to think things aren't fair. But how many of you know God's always right? And he is always fair and he is always just. Amen. And so God has a, a, a picture of the family. In turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And this is the, uh, the picture of the family that God gave us. Deuteronomy chapter 11. And let's begin in verse 18. And we're going to go down through 21. It says, Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. Amen. God gave us a picture, and this is how he wants our life to be. He wants our marriages, our family life to be heaven upon the earth. Amen. Amen. 
And, uh, of course, this verse, as we read the preceding verses, it is based upon the fact, and it, it, it does not work unless, pe unless the people of God hear God and they obey Him. Unless we hear God and unless we obey Him. So that's the conditions of this verse. And this verse does not work if we don't obey. Um, um, so we have to hear God, walk with God, follow His instructions if we want to have heaven up on the earth. Uh, you know, we're supposed to have heaven on earth. We, not just the sweet by and by, uh, I've got a heavenly home, and we do. And God's a good God, and we have something to look forward to. We have a future and a hope even beyond this life. Amen? I mean, if you, if, if you dismissed it totally and you didn't get in faith and you didn't get healed, the worst thing that can happen is that you get to your heavenly home quicker than all the rest of us. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Death doesn't have a sting. Amen? Think about how great and how good heaven is. We haven't even seen the half of it. But God uh, never intended for us to to just have our eyes on heaven and and you know just heaven's that thing that we're and you know we just have to live through hell down here. But you know we're going to get heaven someday. No, He intended us for have heaven on earth, didn't He? Amen. And so there's a way to do that. Now, um, <clears throat> every home. The structure of every the the uh, every home can is different and is unique. Um, speaking of a specific house, every house is different, aren't they? I mean, some people have. If you hire a builder to build you a house, then you are you may say, well, now I want a greenhouse, or somebody may say, no, I want a white house, and uh, then some people uh, may have a two-story house, and some people may have a one-story house, but there's going to be certain factors that are the same in every house, isn't there? In fact, there's what we call building codes, and those building codes are given, and inspectors actually come out, and those are given to make sure that certain things are the same in every home like plumbing codes and, and uh, uh, termite inspections, and those things are the same for every home, amen? But yet, every, but, yet but every home has its uniqueness too, and that's the way we are as far as our family unit. You know, every family unit is different. We have, uh, we have different traditions, we have different cultures, we have different ways of doing things, and they're all so good. I mean, I like to celebrate people's uniqueness. We have a right to be different. Amen. And, and you know, and, but there's certain factors in a godly home that will always be the same. Amen. In every home will have certain things based upon the Word of God if it's a godly home. And if you're going to have heaven on earth, you have to have these certain things. Amen. And without the certain things that all are alike to every home, now you can do things differently. You may be a home that doesn't eat breakfast. You may be, see, I'm, that's kind of how we are. My mom didn't like breakfast, so she trained me not to like breakfast, so I trained my kids. Well, of course, uh, Eric Collin, he was kind of one of those didn't really care if he ate in the morning. Now, Eric took after his daddy. Daddy's hungry in the morning. And, you know, but we just say, fix it yourself. I mean, no, Lord, forgive me. No, we don't. <laughs> well, we've compromised in that area. I'm going to get myself in trouble here right off. But anyway, uh, Eric, when he was like a baby, just learning to talk, and we'd put him in bed at night, and we'd kiss him goodnight and say, good night, Eric, and see you in the morning. He'd say, what are we going to have for breakfast in the morning? <laughs> he would. I am not kidding. He started planning breakfast before he went to bed. <laughs> Amen. And so, you know, but you may be one of those that gets up in the morning, and you cook bacon, and eggs, and sausage, and grits, and biscuits, and gravy, and, um, and you know, and just, you know, do all of that. There's not many like that anymore, but I actually hear of those every once in a while. 
And, you know, we have a right to be different on those kind of things. But there's certain things that we don't have any right to be different. We have to conform to the Word of God. So y'all caught on to that, didn't you? Uh, uh, so we, the, here's something we have to do. is We have to build a framework by which our house can be structured, our home can be structured. And that framework is the Word of God. Um, now, I, when you teach on the home, and I just really want to qualify this, you know, I just don't want you to think that we think we're perfect or that we're, we don't. I mean, we have made so many mistakes. And when we teach on our children, I just don't want you to think that we think we're perfect because we don't. We made so many mistakes in, in raising our children. Pastor always says that you get really good at it about the time all your kids get grown. And then you pretty much know what to do, and it's too late. I mean, but you kind of figure it out. It nearly takes you 18 years to figure out how to do it, you know. And so... Um, I don't mean to come across, you know, as being perfect or our family is perfect because that is not the case. And um, so I just want to clarify that and make that real clear up, uh, up front. But I will tell you, it, we made mistakes, but God covers mistakes. Aren't y'all thankful? God covers mistakes. And He covers mistakes for people that are repentant. If you have a right heart, if you have a repentant heart, He covers your mistakes that you have made. And you will rebound. You can come back from any mistake you've made if your heart is right, if you're repentant, and if you're teachable. And uh, it's important that we be that way in our families. And I'm going to say some things tonight and talk about some things that are the ways of God that I haven't always done right. And I'm going to talk about some things of God that are right in God that Pastor and I haven't always done right. But one thing we've always done is we've always tried to get right as quick as possible. We would realize this is not how I ought to be acting here. And we would try to get right as quick as possible. And I don't believe that anybody has these things down pat. I don't think there's anybody, and I think the rest of your life in your marriage that the husband is going to have to be making attitude adjustments on a daily basis and the wife on a daily basis is going to have to be making attitude adjustments. And the parents help the children make attitude adjustments. Amen. Amen. You have to help your children make those adjustments. Amen. Kind of insist that they make the adjustments. <laughs> Amen. Um, so... Um, uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a constant. You're not ever going to get to the point in a marriage where you just have these principles down pat. You're going to be constantly asking God to forgive you, constantly asking each other to forgive you. And if you don't do that, you might as well learn how to right now because you can't have heaven on earth. You'll And you know, I want to teach this tonight. You say, well, I might rather hear about prosperity. I tell you, you won't prosper financially until you get these things right. You know, I've been talking to you a lot about a church and getting the foundation of a church right. And I spoke on this Sunday night and how a church can be set on the wrong foundation. And God is not a man that he will cut off his nose to spite his face. And so if somebody's teaching salvation or lifting up the name of Jesus in any way, even if it's no matter how they're doing it, he will honor that and he will bring fruit out of it if he possibly can. Amen? But when a church is not set on the right foundation, when the foundation is not right, it's very important that the foundation be right. When the church, the foundation is not right, that church will not be able to do for a city and for a nation and for a, a, a world what God really would like for a church to do because the foundation of the thing is not right. And one of the foundation things that has to be right in a church is that, first of all, God should have started it. Can you make the correlation between that and the family? 
Amen. And so there's some foundational things that need to be right. However, I do want to tell you when it comes to marriage, and uh, this is not true necessarily for when it comes to a church, but when it comes to marriage, you may have missed it. You didn't last God if she was right or he was right, and you married them. But I tell you, plant God has the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It might have not been his perfect will, but once you said I do, he's, he's going to treat it like it was his perfect will. Amen. Amen. And you are going to have to make some... It's going to be harder for you, I'll just tell you. Matthew chapter 7 says, and where it talks about marriage, he says you'll have trouble in the flesh. Even if you get the perfect one, it is the one. Guaranteed, you have trouble in the flesh. There is no marriage that does not have to overcome something and have some court of situations. There's trouble in the flesh. However, when you get the perfect one, you don't have as much trouble. Amen. When you get when you get the one God picked out for you, you don't have as much trouble. When you get one that He didn't pick out, you're going to have a lot more trouble. Okay. And so the foundation needs to be right. Uh, uh, and and so that's how a family is. We need to get our framework right. Um, <laughs> Let me see where I'm at. I get ahead of myself sometime. The Bible says uh, uh, that in the Message Bible, it says man looks on the outward appearance, but God x-rays. Man, that's one of those scriptures we'd like to take a Sharpie and mark out, isn't it? Um, let's mark that. I know there was one lady, one friend of mine, there was that scripture that said, uh, uh, in the world you will have tribulation. I believe that was the scripture. And she said, every time I come to that scripture, I just put my finger over it. Amen. And then there was the man, I like to tell this, I just get a kick out of this. There was the man that, that didn't believe in tongues. And Marilyn Hickey was talking to him, and he said, uh, and she said, well, open your Bible. And right there, see, look there, Acts chapter 2, right there. See, it's in there. And he took and just ripped that page and said, now it's not. <laughs> Ooh, I love that story, don't y'all? <laughs> And so that's kind of one of those scriptures that when God x-rays, man looks on the outward appearance, but God x-rays. He looks at our hearts. Amen. And the foundation has to be right. Amen. So we need to get our foundation right. Uh, uh, okay. I'm going to break the news to you now. Because I've told you that every home has some similarities. And the foundation has to be right. So I'm going to give you the one thing, not the only thing, but one of the things that every home that has days of heaven on earth has to have. And, I'm, and just hold your breath, and I'll say it real quick, and it'll be over, okay? A submissive wife. Just wait, men. I'm going to come to that part in just a minute. So every home, based on a godly foundation, has a submissive wife. And this is not an optional factor. Uh, now, let's talk about being a submissive wife. Because I think that we've had a conception that a submissive wife was real dowdy and quiet and didn't have anything to say. But that is not true. And a, a submissive wife is not a, a wife that doesn't have an opinion. Amen? A submissive wife is not a, a, a wife that um, uh, is real quiet. She might be loud. Hallelujah. Praise God. She may be loud. She may be the loud, boisterous kind. And I'll tell you something, just because somebody's quiet doesn't mean they're submissive. In fact, I found that uh, I'm, not, I'm, not trying, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not looking at anybody. But a lot of times, quiet people, they got a bunch of stuff in there. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. They can be meaner than junkyard dog, can't they? Hallelujah. 
So go to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and we're going to talk about being a submissive wife, and this is not intended to bring you into bondage. God never intended to bring us as women into bondage. He pre you know, I'm going to tell you something, family. The Bible is good news. All of the Bible is good news. And when somebody preaches it in such a way that this is bad news, then they're preaching it wrong because the whole thing is good news. Amen? Okay, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, uh, first of all, uh, I want to maybe preface this, but in, in chapter 5, it begins to talk about relationships. And it doesn't talk, it's not talking about the husband and wife relationship yet. In verse 22, it begins to talk about the husband and wife relationship. But in verse 21, it, it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. But it is not talking about the husband and wife there. It's talking about relationships that we would have with other people. It's talking about friendships. And it's talking about the relationship even that you would have with the people in this church. Submitting yourselves one to another. You're supposed to be submitting yourselves to each other and in your friendships. And if you have a friendship where one person is lording it over the other, then you probably ought to reconsider the friendship Amen. or any kind of relationship uh, out there. Uh, if, if you have a brother-sister relationship or a sister-sister relationship where somebody's lording it over them, well, uh, but you know, you, there, there, there needs to be some change there. Amen? And um, so submit there. When we talk about submitting in other relationships, uh, it, 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 it's kind of like this. If I can give you this example, it's like if, for, say, for instance, that I have a friend, and, and and let's say I don't like to shop, which that's not true, but let's just say I don't. Let's say I'm one of those. And I've heard of women that really don't like to shop, and let's say I'm one of those. I don't like to shop, but I have a friend, and she says, "Come go with me tomorrow." And because uh, I need to find so-and-so, and so come go with me. And I say, okay, I'll be glad to. Now, what did I do? I don't like to shop, but I submitted. I yielded, didn't I? And so she picks me up tomorrow, and we get in the car, and, you know, it dawns on her. She says, oh, yeah, you don't like to shop. I tell you what, let's just go down, and let's just go down to Books a Million, and let's get a cup of, uh, of a cappuccino, and let's just sit and visit, okay? And I say, oh, no, no, no. And see, she, she, did you see her yield to me? And see, I said, oh, no, no, no. Uh, no, I'll help you with that. I'll be glad to help you do, find what you need to find. And she says, no, 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 no. Let's just, let's just go down here and talk. And I say, no, no, I'll shop. And see, we're both just, and see, in a relationship like that, in a, a friendship, the, the only conflict we have is, is we're, all, we're both out submitting each other. Huh? We're just yielding, yielding, yielding to each other. And you know, I mean, we, 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 may, we may eat where I want to eat one day, and the next day, from the time we go out, we'll eat where she wants to eat. Because, see, we're yielded to each other. And that's how the relationships in the church are supposed to be. Amen? You're out of order if you always have to have your way in the church. Amen? If you always have to have your way in your friendships, you're out of order. Amen. There should be a yielding. Let me, like, for instance, let's just say I don't like to play Monopoly. Now that's true. I can promise you. <laughs> or, or risk. I really don't like that one. And let's just say you invite me and Pastor over to your house and you cook us a good dinner. And after it's over, you walk over to the cabinet and you break out the wrist board and you put it on the table and you say, let's play risk tonight. And I go, okay, let's do. 
See, I've yielded. And, you, and then you remember, oh, Miss Debbie, she doesn't like to play. She doesn't like to play risk. She thinks it's too long. And uh, she doesn't want to do war games. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, uh, and so you say, oh, no, let's just, let's just go in the living room and visit. And I say, no, 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 let's play. I hadn't done that in a long time. And see, we're both just sub- we're mutually submitting to each other. Amen? So do you all catch the picture? But then in verse 22, it says something different. It says, wives, submit your yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I just love that it doesn't say that I have to submit to all men. Praise God. There's just one man that I have to submit to. Amen. And that is my own husband. And I have to do it as unto the Lord. Amen. Now submission requires that I'm thinking more about what you need and what you want than about myself. Submission is very unselfish. And it's just yielding. That's all it means to to do. It just means to yield. Amen? And it just means to to give in. It means to go the way that he decides is best to go. And it also, to, to submit, you haven't submitted if you do it, but you are mad, you have a bad attitude, and you're punishing him. You know? You know so you, that's not really submission. So submission is very unselfish. So we become willing to yield. Now, um, <clears throat> in the home, in the home, there is only one person who Let me say that different. In the marriage, there is only one person who submits. The Bible never tells a husband to submit. It tells a husband to love. And we're going to talk about that. And so women, if you think I'm being hard on you, just wait, I'll get on him in a minute. But anyway... Um, uh, it tells the wife to submit. But I want to tell you something. When a husband loves a woman, and when you, a woman is really loved, it is no problem to submit. And if you don't have your woman under control, you aren't loving her. Amen? It is easy to submit, and wives don't mind submitting when they're being loved, like the Bible teaches you to love. Amen? And so we'll find out about that as we progress, okay? So a loved woman is a submissive woman. Now, the meaning of submission does not change from verse 21, where we described it, to verse 22. It still means the very same thing. It means to yield. The concept doesn't change. It does not ever say that the husband is to rule over the wife. And it never says, wives do as you're told. Amen? Amen. You cannot force a woman to submit. And if you are trying to force her and you are trying to lord it over her, then you've stepped out of love. Amen? Hallelujah. Boy, this is fun. (laughs) Now, if I submit, I yield to him. Now, I will tell you I'm a submitted woman. Now, and, and I will tell you something that, it is, that it, is, it is rare, and I believe this is the case. I believe if the husband and wife are both prayers and in the Word, there is very few times when we even disagree. Now, I'm, I'm talking about concerning decisions. We do have disagreements, but our we've never disagreed about a house we were going to buy. We've never disagreed about a car we were going to buy. We've never disagreed about a church building we were going to move into. We've never disagreed about where we were going to move. We've all, because we both pray, we both hear God. He puts the same thing inside of both of us. There's not ever been a, we've never had to test it. We've never had to test whether I would have to give in because if you're both... And family, let me just tell you, that's the easiest way. Don't put this submission thing to the test any more than you have to. Pray. 
And you'll both get the mind and the heart of Father. Praise God. Amen. And when you're, when you're not in agreement, well, somebody's missing it. Amen. Amen. Now, the Bible tells the wife that she does have to submit, but I'm going to show you later in the Scriptures where God does not agree with men who are wrong. God is not going to agree with you, man, if you're wrong. Hallelujah. And you want to be careful that you don't miss it because we're going to find out how responsible you are in, in just a minute. Okay, um, so it doesn't say wives do as you're told. So if I submit, I yield to him, I give in to him, I consider his need first. And I want to tell you something, it's in a woman's makeup to meet needs. It comes natural. You don't have to work at being a need meter. It's been put in you. And you can just see, there's a lot of women that are very rebellious to their husbands, but they just automatically meet other people's needs. See, they've just been conformed to this world. And it's true that we, something needed to happen. We did need a feminist movement. We took it too far. We took it over into the ditch. But women were not recognized. until some, Women couldn't vote until some woman stood up and, fight, and fought this thing. Amen? Women were treated like uh, cattle, like something a man owned, and that's never been God's plan. God was a lib- Jesus was a liberator of women. Jesus gave the revelation, the, ver- the, the biggest revelation He gave while He was on the earth, He gave it to the woman at the well. Amen? Amen? There's never, the men have made up all sorts of things in order trying to lord it over that says women can't preach. Women can't be uh, women, uh, women can't be prophets. One when we were gotten baptized in the Holy Ghost, and you know they start fighting you when you do that. And uh, in 1980, well, the Baptists told us they said, "Well, the people in the upper room they were just men." Oh yeah, really? I mean, you have to get pretty way out there, and you really just have to flat lie against the scriptures. You don't—they don't read this thing sometimes just to try to put women down. And so, you know, there needed to be a movement where women get the same pay in the workplace. It's not right for a woman to stand in a factory right beside a man and do the same work and make less. That is un—that is uncivilized. That's not just ungodly; it's uncivilized. And so, there needed to be a feminist movement. But you know, as all things that get corrected, we get over here in this ditch over here. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, but there's a balance, isn't there? There's a there's a right way. And one of the things that we have to understand is back to one of those things I said a while ago. I love this part. Submit myself to my husband. I don't have to submit to all men. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So um, that makes a difference in the name of Jesus. That, that, is, that, is, that is powerful right there, just making that clear. Um, God put us in us, uh, the automatic, well, He programmed us, if you want to say it that way, to be need meters as women. Um, and when we function outside of those characteristics that God has placed in us, then we will find unhappiness. We won't be happy. Amen? So um, that's, and because women have that, that thing in them that is automatically given by God to meet needs, that's why she can submit because uh, she wants to meet needs. Now, uh, Chapter, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And, uh, I, and like I said before, now the whole Word of God is good news, isn't it? And y'all receive it as such, right? Amen. And it's not a, a husband that's lording it over his wife is, is not in God's will. Amen? Amen. And there's a way to deal with your woman. Amen. 
There's a godly way to, to get before God and pray and find out how to love her. And you know, most men just don't do this. To be just be real honest. They don't find out how to love their wives. And to not just love her like you heard the man down the street. Well, I heard he bought something for her. Well, you've got to love her on an individual basis. Because what would really bless me might not bless Leanne at all. She might just hate it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And what would really bless um, uh, uh, Leanne might not bless me at all. You know, I just got real upset with my husband when we were not been married that long. I guess we had kids, but because um, one time, now this just upset me. And you got to know your woman. Amen. Amen. But this at one time, it was going to be my birthday, and my mother said to him, said, oh, look at this. Isn't this a pretty thing? And she had a little shop there at the time. This would be something good for you to give my uh, Debbie for her birthday. And so he gave me that for my birthday. And when I looked at it, I could tell that wasn't something he'd pick out. That's something my mom would pick out. And I was mad at him. Forever. Not forever. I'm not mad now. I'm over this. But I was mad at him. I was hurt. I was disappointed. He didn't love his woman right. Amen? Because I didn't want something for my birthday that my mama picked out. I wanted something my husband picked out. Amen. Amen. So, you know, now it might not bother your, you know, I know families, every family's different, has the right to be different. I know women that go down before Christmas, buy themselves a gift, go home, wrap it, or go up Dillard's upstairs, say, wrap this for me, please. She goes, puts her own gift under the tree. I wouldn't do that. Amen. I can't do that. I, you, I'm not going to do that. But if, But I know people that are perfectly happy with that. We have some friends that they literally told us, they said, Christmas is nothing to us. And you know, I, and, and they're, they're godly people. They're very godly people, but it just doesn't mean anything to us. We don't even bother to go shopping for each other. We don't even bother to do that. I, we, and they have money. They said, we buy everything we want. If I want something, he just says, go get it. If he wants something, he just goes, gets it. I mean, there's no sense in going through this. And you know, sometimes when they're out shopping or something, he'll say, well, I want to buy that for you. So it's not that he never blesses her, but they just don't go through all this other they say well that doesn't fit me I don't want to do that I don't want to do Christmas like that Christmas means a lot more to me it mean, meant a lot more to me than it did to his family his family Christmas didn't mean much I was an only child Christmas meant a lot and I was spoiled <laughs> basically amen I will tell you what uh, let me just give you some wisdom don't try to change her don't try to change her and if, if, if Christmas means a lot to her then bless God don't try to say, well, you know, I only got one gift when I was growing up. Well, you know, tough. Don't try to, don't make her leave her father and mother and change her ways too. Amen? Hallelujah. Isn't that the truth? Amen. And so uh, we'll talk about that more as we go. And, and so there's a submission here, but there's also a loving. Okay? Where are we in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18? Now, she may like your ways better than she does her own. And so she may be willing to adapt and change to yours. But that'll be her choice, not yours. Okay, I'll make that clear. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Listen to that. God said it's not good for men to be alone. They can't do it. They cannot do it. It is not good. God said it's not good. It's not good. How many of you men know it's not good? You've already proved it's not good. You need her. You need her. I've noticed in my little hometown that we came from, those little widowers, man, she don't get cold till they remarry. 
And you know, the, sometimes the children are kind of offended about that. I mean, the, they don't have, she is not in the ground good, and they will be courting those little widow women there, when I'm in there in town, and they'll have them one picked out, and they'll be married. Well, we shouldn't get so upset about that. It's not good for men to be alone. They can't function. They can't do it. It's true that I didn't say that. God said it is not good for men to be alone. He needs a helpmate. He needs a helpmate. Helpmate is real spiritual. It means helper. It means assistant. It also means perfecter. Amen? Amen. It does. It does. You're incomplete without us. You know, I can just point out some of the ways um, um, that she can help, but I tell you, and you go, well, I don't know how to help my husband. Well, you're not being a very alert, a very observant, because you won't be married three days till you'll know where he needs help. And every man, it's different. Amen? And it's your job to help him. Amen? Hallelujah. And I can only fulfill God's commission if I am helping. But we need to know what a helper is. If I take charge, I've stepped out of my makeup. If I take charge, you know, when you hire an assistant, if you own a business and you hire an assistant, uh, you don't hire somebody to take over. You hired somebody to help you. Well, now I'm not trying to say you hired her. Because I can tell you, you ain't paying very good if you hired her. There ain't no woman in here that says that she's getting what she's worth. That's right. That's right. You're not. And so we're not hiring. We're not making that correlation. But we are saying when you're the assistant, you're the assistant. You're the helper. Amen? Now, so women were constructed to help, and that's why they respond to love. Now, submit is a secondary word. By that, let me give you an example. Uh, catch is a secondary word. What is the word that has to come before catch? Throw. You cannot catch unless somebody throws. Can you? You cannot catch unless somebody throws. Submit is a secondary word. You cannot submit unless somebody loves. And God is not asking you to submit to a man who does not love you. Now, just because you don't like all the way he does things doesn't mean he doesn't love you. But I can tell you, if he's beating you, he don't love you. Amen. Amen. If he's cussing you, he don't love you. And God doesn't ask women to submit to men that are beating them, cussing them. Uh, not, if, you, if he's not providing for you, unless he's disabled and got his legs cut off or something. I mean, you know, if he's not providing for you... <laughs> Well, I wanted to qualify there. If he's not, and you know, even then he could believe God and use a computer. Amen. And if he's not providing for you, if he, he's, he doesn't love you. And you don't have to submit to him. Amen. God's not asking you to submit where there's not love. Now, just because he's not giving you the kind of Christmas gift you like, that doesn't mean he's not loving you. And you, besides all that, women, it's your responsibility to train them to give you the kind of Christmas gift you like. Men, uh, this is scientific, men work out of one side of their brain. Women work out of both sides. They go back and forth between both sides, and uh, they go back and forth between reason and logic. Reason and logic. That's why sometimes she is just weird. She gets stressed out. She'll be logical one minute and, and unreasonable the next. Amen? And she's just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth because she's working out of both sides of her brain. But men work out of only one side of their brain. They got half a brain. I'm not trying to be ugly. 
They get it done with one half a brain. Well, but they are, there are some limitations to this. Amen? And sometimes picking out gifts is on the brain side that does not work. Amen? I remember one time my dad bought my mom an ironing board. Let me tell you, they're divorced. It wasn't over the ironing board, though. But I want to tell you that is not a good idea. For a gift. I mean, he bought her an ironing board for a gift. You can buy her an ironing board, just don't buy it for a gift. Amen. Did y'all remember the movie Father of the Bride when she just went wacko over the blender? Y'all I mean, she just got, they were going to get married, and she just, oh, she just, oh, it's off, it's over, it's over, we're not getting married, he gave me a blender. <laughs> you know, because she was afraid that, that he was expecting some June Cleaver thing from her. And being submitted is not being June Cleaver. Hallelujah. All the women say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So you don't have to be June Cleaver to be submitted. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, so... The secondary word. Back to the secondary word. Submit's a secondary word. Love comes first. So you say, well, if she had submit to me, I'd love her. That's not how it's supposed to be. The head always has to go first. The head always has to go first. Your head goes first in everything. Before you take a step, the head does something. Before you swallow, the head does something. The brain. Amen? Everything, it, it, the head has to go first. So who has to go first in the marriage? nobody's responding who has to go first in a marriage the man he has to love her before she's required to submit and he doesn't just have to and how many of you know love's not sex and men have to have that cleared up that side of their <laughs> it was a painful blow huh? <laughs> oh she's hitting you oh, oh, oh I mean I thought she was over there weapony, you know? oh lord <laughs> But anyway, so he's got to love first, and he's got to love as Christ loved the church. That's what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. As Christ loved the church. Amen? And gave himself for it, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Now, this submission thing, but this also, the one being submitted to, is really, is really powerful, but it's also very serious. Amen? I'm not meaning don't laugh. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that uh, there's a lot of responsibility here. Amen. And so uh, we can get that straight, aren't we? Um, so the head always goes first. So what's a helpmate? One thing a helpmate is, or helpmate actually, the King James says, is one who doesn't hinder. Wives, we shouldn't be a hindrance. Amen. Um, one thing that hinders a marriage is when you try to make your husband respond the way you think he should respond. That will hinder a marriage. And like we already talked about the brain thing. See, he can't do it. Uh, uh, men don't naturally have emotion or romance. That stop most men. I mean, there are some. You know, most men though don't naturally know about passion and about romance and stuff. They just naturally know about uh, aggression. It comes naturally, doesn't it? Even little boys, before they know very much, get real aggressive, don't they? Isn't that the truth? It just comes natural to them. And, you know, uh, so <clears throat> they like movies like, uh, uh, well, they like uh, war movies. And they like, they like Rambo movies. They like aggression. They like violence. They like, they like those kind of movies. And you know what they don't like? They don't like chick flicks, they call them. Amen. But I want to tell you something. And you know, she should submit. That means yield. So sometimes she should watch Rambo with you. 
Amen. Amen. All the men are agreeing. But I'll just give you men a word of advice. One thing, women like chick flicks because chick flicks because they like romance and they like love. And if you want to get her in the mood for something, you ought to watch a chick flick because I guarantee you nighttime's going to be a lot more fun if Rambo's not going to do anything for your evening. <laughs> not one blasted thing. But I mean, you can watch a, and it doesn't have to, I'm not talking about pornography here. I'm talking about a woman can watch something like you've got mail or something with you, sit down and watch a movie. And you know what? Oh, it's like, oh, I do. I, my heart just flutters over that movie. I've watched it about three or four times. I mean, it's been on, it's on TV every other week, you know, and uh, I even went and bought it. I mean, I liked it so good. I just went and bought the thing, you know, so I could just watch it at will, you know. I don't know why I like it. Really, that's a real dangerous thing to meet somebody on the Internet. I mean, <laughs> don't do that. I don't recommend it. But anyway, my heart just pitters over that. I just get, oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that the sweetest thing? Oh, I tell you. I just love that. I just love the ending. I just love that whole thing. Y'all, uh, I could just talk about it. But see, <laughs> Amen. So men, she does need to submit to you, but you ought to be smart. Amen. Amen. So, okay. Hallelujah. So men don't naturally have emotion and passion, but it can be learned. And women, we are the ones that teach them those things. Hallelujah. And they get where they like it. They do. They get where they like you to light candles and all those kind of things. Okay. Women tend to respond with, with a lot of emotion and melodrama to the things of God. In other words, they oh, I just felt the Holy Spirit. And men are not like that. And women tend to think that men are not spiritual. Now, we really, really, I, don't, I want to clarify this, we really, really value the men in our church. And we know what it's like to have a church where the women are bossing everything and, and, and we don't like that. We don't want it. We want strong men in our church. That's why we want you to go to men's meetings and become strong men. Amen? Because there are things that pastor can say at men's meetings that he can't say in this congregation when the women and children are present and the teens are present, the youth. And uh, so that's why you need to go because it'll make you a strong man. It'll make you uh, know how to love your wife, know how to be the head of your home. And so, um, uh, but men... The way women think of spiritual, men don't tend to react that way. And so women will say things to their husbands like this. You didn't read your Bible today. You didn't pray today. And you know, women, when we do that, we become a hindrance and not a help. And remember, a helpmate is never a hindrance. She's a help. And see, we just don't discern sometimes how they talk with God. How they fellowship with God. Amen. He's not going to respond with the emotion and fervor that you think he should. And you hinder him when you try to get him to look like you think he should. You know, we measure our husbands by what we see, but God x-rays. God x-rays and he sees the fervor of the power of God in your husband. And I'll tell you something else, and you probably already figured this out, men don't respond to pressure. In fact, they kind of lock down. If marriage is a game, then men, do they leave the field when you put the pressure on them. And not only that, they don't even go up into the stands. You won't find them there. Amen? So we're supposed to help. A helper is an assistant. Amen? Now, there are going to be things that you do better than your husband. 
There are going to be things you do better than him, and there's going to be lots of things he does better than you. Amen? The best thing to do is to learn to flow in a marriage with those things. Husbands, the best thing to do is to let her help in the areas that she's better. If it takes you three hours to balance the bank statement, but that's just something she can do, well, you know, she can balance the bank statement without being in control of the finances. Amen? And so it's better to use her help uh, in those areas. Uh, one of the things that men don't do as good as women is remembering things. The men tend to forget birthdays. Not just yours, but he don't remember his mother's birthday. Like, you know, I will tell my husband, I'll say, we need to get your mom something for your birthday. And since we live here, I'll say, we need to get it in the mail. You know, we need to get this in the mail. We need to get this in the mail. coming up, June 20th. June 20th. And uh, so, uh, so we do that. And, uh, that. and on the day of his birthday, uh, her birthday, I'll say, now today's your mother's birthday. And I'm not saying that he always forgets, but... I just am better at remembering those things. And I remember our kids' birthdays. And I'm the one that, you know, see, see there's going to be things that she's better at. And uh, I tell you what, um, <clears throat> see, because he's just got half a brain, I mean, or just works with one side of his brain. <laughs> I don't mean to be. Just because he, it, it's better. You know, I, 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 we, we watch too many movies, and sometimes we've, in our past, not now, but we used to read uh, uh, those novels that Prince Charming is in, you know? Before you were saved, did anybody read the novels before that Prince Charming is in? Who does not exist in this world? Amen. That man does not exist. Amen. And, and because of that, we tend as women to be real romantic instead of logical. You know, romance says that he will figure out that I want diamond earrings for my birthday. He will figure it out. But logic says, if I want diamond earrings, I better tell him, give him plenty of notice, tell him what store they're in. Now, I realize that not every man is this way, but 99.9% .9 of them are. And, and you just set up, <laughs> you just set yourself up for Christmas morning or birthday to be like, oh, a blender, or oh, perfume again, or whatever it is that, you know. Because a man will tend to buy the same thing every... If, he, if you bought something one birthday and you liked it, the next birthday will buy the same thing. And the next birthday will buy the same thing. And the first thing you know, you've got 22 bottles of Estee Lauder Beautiful. Because <laughs> you can't use them up as fast as the holidays come around. And see, you know, there's just a wisdom. And I, it took me a long time. I know it, it took me a long time to figure out. And what I do is this. When Christmas is coming, I just make him a big, long list of everything I want. So I still get a little bit of surprise because he can pick anything on the list or several things on the list. But So I still get some surprise in there, but yet I don't, I've not set myself up for disappointment. Amen? Because I have found, now yours may be better, but I have found that I can walk through the mall with him and I can say, oh, isn't that pretty? Oh, isn't that pretty? Look at this. Oh, isn't that? Oh, look at this. Mmm, look at this. And then, you know, a week later will be my birthday and he'll say, what do you want for your birthday? <laughs> it's like, he didn't pick up on it. He didn't, but a woman, now, and you know this, man, she, she knows exactly what you wanted for your birthday. She knows exactly what you said you wanted. She doesn't even have to ask you. She, most women don't ever even ask their husbands. They just go get it. They know. Hallelujah. Amen. 
So I just wanted to help the women tonight to, to, be, lo- to be a little bit logical and realize that Prince Charming doesn't exist. Amen? Well, we're just going too long, aren't we? I'm going to have to close this thing down. So let me find a stopping spot make sure I finish the thought. Um, so you're the assistant. Now, I want to tell you, wives, in as far as submission is concerned, if you are here tonight, maybe the Holy Spirit's even said, you know, you had not been very submissive. You haven't yielded. See, you have to yield to, to, to Him. Amen? And... Uh, like I said, we qualified it on, you know, him loving you and not beating you and all that kind of stuff. But if you haven't been very submissive, well, then it's never too late to adjust. All we, do has, all we have to do, wives, is come back into position. Amen? Just come back into a position. And, you know, sometimes women will say, you know, I have a right not to trust my husband because I've been hurt before. I want to tell you something. If you've been hurt before, join the club. Join the party. This is the earth. The curse is in the earth. Amen. And all of us have to regularly go to Psalm 23. And I want to encourage you. If you've been hurt by a man, a former marriage or something, and you've got walls up. I tell you, a lot of times women throw up walls. How many of you know that? Most men do not do that as much, but women a lot of times throw up walls. And if you throw up walls and you've got walls and you're not letting people in because you're afraid people will hurt you and you got, you're all bristly to him or you're just not, you know, go to Psalm 23. The Bible says he restores our soul. Amen. And it is not an excuse any longer to say, well, I've been hurt, so I can't trust. Go to Psalm 23 and get your soul restored. And, you know, men, if there's some reason that you can't uh, trust or you can't, well, whatever, it's our responsibility to go to Psalm 23. Maybe your daddy was, uh, you know, 40 years ago, 40 years ago, uh, how marriage was, and you, you didn't really even have to tell a woman to submit. She just did it. And maybe daddy lorded it over at home. Well, you know, if you were raised wrong and your daddy didn't love your mother, go to Psalm 23 and let God restore your soul. And let's quit using our, excuse, our past as an excuse for anything. Amen. We are a generation or a people of revelation. We don't have any excuses. Amen. We know what we've been redeemed from. We know that there's nothing that's been done to us that we can't be healed of. If you've been sexually abused, you can be healed of it. Amen. God will restore your soul. He will bind up your broken heart. He will make you a new creation in that sense too. Not just spiritually so that you're born again, but a new creation so that when you talk about abuse or the past, you have no pain or shame. Amen. If you may not go around broadcasting it to the whole church, but you are, you ought to be so healed that if somebody needed your testimony in order for them to get healed, you could share it without pain or shame. Amen. And we shouldn't have, we shouldn't be rejecting people so they won't reject us. Throwing up walls and being, you know, there ought to be something, you know, sometimes there's just, there's just things writing and, and you know you just like well I, you know people come to me sometimes and say man that woman I don't know she don't like me you know and it'll be another church member and I'm saying no 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 she's just dealing with her issues she's don't take it personal you know and I try to be the peacemaker and smooth it over but you know we shouldn't have such problems that we can't speak to people that we can't be friendly that we got walls up get before God and get healed 
Amen. I don't care who hurts you. I don't care what pastor disappointed you. I don't care if this one did. I don't care. Get healed. Say, God, restore my soul. I'm not being able to have a good attitude in this area. I'm not consistent. I'm not able to be friendly. I'm not able to be outgoing. I can't speak to people. I'm afraid of what they'll do to me. I'm afraid they won't speak to me. Get before God and get that junk out of there. You have carried it too long. And you will never have heaven on earth until you get rid of that baggage. You won't have heaven on earth. You won't have days of heaven. Days of heaven are predicated on that. They're predicated on the fact that you hear God, obey Him, and that you get before Him and you make the Word work in your life. And you say, well, I can't forgive. I've been told that before. You know, I've been told, a woman told me she had been divorced and she's already remarried. And she said, I'll never get over it. Well, you can have that if you want it. Amen. Or you can get over it. I think you ought to be, if, let me just go there. I think you ought to be able to be uh, sociable, not socialize, but be friendly with your ex. You ought to be able to function with your ex. And we might as well deal with exes because everybody, a lot of people in here got exes. Amen. I mean, that's life anymore. Amen. And if you're trying to cross the street and run and hide when you see your ex, you're not healed. And you're not walking in the benefit of covenant. God will heal you. He'll deliver you. You look at that person and you'll go, and, and really this is how you ought to feel. Like, that seems like it was somebody else that was married to him. Amen? You know, like, I remember you and I have memories of our life together, but it seems like another world, another time, somebody else. Because God has so removed my heart and my soul from that situation. Amen? You know, we, we had the, the, the execution of Timothy McVeigh this week, and, you know, it was really true. There was people that wanted to, to, to get vengeance. Amen. How many of you know that vengeance will never satisfy your heart? Amen. Amen. And I love the, the man that from Oklahoma City that's going to run for governor, he said, and he had the two little kids that were wounded but not killed, and he, they asked him, well, why didn't you go and watch him be executed? He said, because we believe in the death penalty, but we believe in it for justice. We're not trying to get any vengeance. Amen. Amen. And you know, there, it was justice. And the death penalty is right. It's Bible. And, uh, and, it's, and, and you read Romans chapter 13. He says that the authorities do not bear the sword in vain. Amen. If you don't want the death penalty, there's one way not to get it, folks. Huh? <laughs> don't kill her. Don't break the law. You don't like tickets? Don't break the law. You don't See, there's a reason for this. It's to keep... It, the law was given to keep, to keep people in check. Now, it doesn't totally work. Does it? That's why we got a new covenant, because it didn't work, but it did keep sin in check. It keeps it a certain amount in check, and God's endeavoring to keep it a certain amount in check. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad that there's a speed limit out there, because there's a lot of people that don't obey it, but think what it'd be like if there wasn't one. Amen. It keeps us a certain amount in check, even us, doesn't it? Hallelujah. It makes us not all make our own decisions. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, um, <clears throat> we know we got to get rid of this wanting visions where our exes are concerned and our parents are concerned. And, uh, and, and you know, you say, well, Debbie, that's just worldly people. No church people have some of those kind of mentalities and attitudes. They do. The reason I know is because I know some. Amen. Hallelujah. And you will ruin your whole life if you have unforgiveness towards your spouse. And you'll ruin your children. You'll ruin your relationship with your children. Let me put it that 
Amen. Your grandchildren. Hebrews said it right. He said a root of bitterness will spring up and it'll defile everybody. It'll defile all. If you let a root of bitterness spring up, it'll defile everything. It'll defile your finances. It'll defile your, it'll defile your whole life. You can't let a root of bitterness spring up in any area. Amen? Amen. So we're going to continue this. I don't know when we'll teach on this again. I mean, I don't know if we'll teach next Wednesday. I know we're going to be in a series on it for a while. Um, I know how long we're going to teach on this. Uh, I know exactly how long we're going to teach on it until I get tired of it. <laughs> That's what happens. You never run out of information on a subject. You just get tired of teaching on that one, so you change to another one. Amen. Let's stand up together. Now, we got several.